Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, please turn there with me. And this afternoon, uh, for service at 5 o'clock, we'll be in Revelation chapter 10. So read ahead. Join us for that. Revelation chapter 8. It's been a blessing going through this book, hasn't it? And Jesus promised it would be too, didn't he? This is the only book that comes with with that guarantee. I mean, all you study and read through every book, you're going to be blessed, by the way. But this book comes with a specific guarantee that you will be blessed. You guys remember what it says? By reading, hearing, and... Let's go back. Revelation chapter... Let's start at the beginning, you guys. <laughs> Let me read it. Revelation 1-3. Listen to this. This is, like, really cool. Because I'm bringing this up because we are getting into some gnarly stuff in our Bible studies. And it's important to remember, I think, this promise... And we're going to learn about the character of our God in a special way. Um, Revelation 1.3, it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Did you guys catch that? Anybody come to get blessed today? You can be blessed by just chilling out and listening. You can be doubly blessed by also reading along, having your Bible. And I would encourage you to bring your Bible you know, I don't have to very often say that because I know everybody brings their Bible with them. Can I encourage you to bring your Bible so you can follow along? And that I think anywhere you go to church, you should have your Bible. Like if you end up moving to wherever, Point Barrel, Alaska, you bring your Bible there. And make sure whatever the dude's teaching you that you test it with what it says in the Scriptures. Whatever you hear, whatever you see, okay? You guys with me? Love you guys. That's why I share that with you is that you follow along to make sure you're being fed the Word of God. And so you fall, you everything, you test everything I say too with the Word of God also. And so, or anybody that comes into our pulpit here and shares from the pulpit. So it's, it's super important you have your Bible to bring it, to follow along. The Lord wants to meet with you in a special way as we gather here together, correct? He's here with the power to heal us, to work in our lives in a special way. And so let's ask that He bless our time together. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for this um, awesome, beautiful morning you've given us to gather together. Thank you for providing um, this, this amazing sanctuary, this amazing building. And you've given us so much, Lord. Everything we have is because of you and from your gracious hand. And We just want to say thank you this morning for your goodness, for your provision, your care, your great love for us. We thank you for your word this morning to nourish us, and we ask that you would help us to correctly divide your word and to correctly apply it in our lives. We need a work of your spirit, a fresh work. So teach us and transform our lives, again, by the power of your spirit. And for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. And so um, we left off in, let me get this clock going. I guess we don't need it. I can keep you guys here till two, right? <laughs> All right, well, the clock's not working, but I can see those numbers. So we left off in chapter 8, correct? And remember where we are in our Bible study in chapters 4 all the way to chapter 22. It's all future. What we've been looking at, what we are looking at this morning also. 
Um, if you remember with me, at, in chapter 4, we see the church in heaven. You guys remember that? The beautiful scene. The church is in heaven with the Lord. 24-7 worship is happening around the throne. And then in chapter 5, we see a special transaction. You guys remember that transaction? Jesus the Son goes to the Father and he takes the, the scroll with how many seals? Seven seals, right? We're told that the only one qualified, the only one worthy to take that scroll is Jesus Christ himself. Because why? Because he redeemed us. He's the one who paid the price of redemption, to redeem the planet, to redeem us. And so all of a sudden when he takes that scroll, you guys remember what happens? An eruption happens. Worship. I mean, again, powerful worship going on. You have to think about that. Millions and trillions and billions or whatever of angels, of the saints, all gathered around, praising the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And then everything begins to change in chapter 6. Remember what happened? Jesus began to open the scroll, right? And with each scroll, that, with, with each uh, seal that's open, judgment came upon the earth. You guys remember that? And so um, we got through six of those uh, seals. As we begin chapter 8 this morning, we see the seventh uh, seal opened up. And so God's wrath is being poured out during this time period. This time period is known as the tribulation. tribulation. How many years? Seven. Seven years of tribulation. And that's not a long time, you guys, by the way, is it? Seven years seem to go by just like that. I think parents with your kids, how quick does time go? Right? It's like one minute they're like teeny little guys, and the next they're like driving out the house, out into the sunset. And, and so I cherish that time with those kiddos, by the way. Cherish that time. So seven years ago, it's going to happen very quickly. And so we're looking at that time period right now. And, and so in chapter 7 last week, you guys remember what happened in chapter uh, 7 last week? There's kind of like an intermission or an interlude or a pause or a parenthesis where we are receiving more information that's happening during this time period, during this seven-year period. And that's not unprecedented. God does that throughout the scriptures, by the way. He'll add a parenthesis here to add more color to the story, to, the, to, the, to what's going on, what's happening, that we might gain more insight. And so we see simultaneously as wrath is happening on planet Earth, people are getting saved, aren't they? We saw number one, the 144,000. You guys remember them? Those little Jewish Billy Grahams running around the planet and sharing the gospel. Awesome. And then we see also the scene in heaven, the, 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 the camera pans back to heaven, and we see multitudes of those who get saved from every tribe, nation, tongue during the tribulation period. And they gave, they gave their lives. They were martyred. For their faith. They, it took the tribulation, it took pressing, it took difficulty and hardship to get them to that place of surrender. I don't know about you, but that's what it took in my life for the Lord to bring tribulation and difficulty to cause me to cry out to him to say, Lord, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I've jacked up my life. I've messed up other people's lives. I need you desperately. And what does he do? He comes in with all his stuff, right? and forgives us and cleanses us and changes us, begins this amazing work, right? We're still a work under construction, aren't we? Still under, I know I'm not what I should be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. And Lord, thank, I can't wait to see what I'm going to be, Lord. And so we saw that intermission, that pause, and now as we roll into chapter 8, 
with the opening, I just want to give a little more of an intro here. Stay with me. Bear with me. I know it's a long one. Opening of the seventh seal, it will, it will introduce seven trumpets, seven trumpet judgments. It will kick those off. And then at the seventh trumpet, it will initiate seven, you guys know your, you guys know your Bibles, seven bowls of God's judgment that will be poured out upon the planet. So let's check it out. Let's see what God's word has to say, gang. Look at chapter uh, 8, verse 1. It tells us when he, who's he, by the way? Jesus opened the seventh seal. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints, check this out, ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth, and there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Let's stop right there. Let me draw your attention back to verse 1 just for a moment. So Jesus now opens the next seal on this scroll. And notice again, John, as we work our way through here, it's John who's seeing everything. He's the one hearing all these things. So John says that he sees something here. And what does he see? Or what does he hear in verse 1? There was what? Silence in... You guys have your Bibles this morning? Silence in where? In heaven. For how long? About half an hour. So all of a sudden, is that the norm, by the way, for heaven? We learned that earlier, didn't we? In chapter 4, there's noises and lightnings and thunderings that are happening in heaven. But also, there's a 24-7 worship service going on. It's rocking, you guys. Right? Harps with distortion, right? And No, there's harps. But there's singing going on. There's praise going on to the Lord. And now all of a sudden, all of that, dude, this is heavy. All of that comes to a screeching halt. It's dead quiet. What in the world is going on? What's happening in this scene that could cause everything to come to a complete Something about the spiritual atmosphere at this moment produces this. So, something so heavy that no one can open their mouths. No one can say a word. It's, I think it's some holy, solemn awe of what they're seeing and what's happening here. Personally, as I read this, again, with the seventh uh, seal being opened, seven trumpets, seven bowls, more of God's judgment is coming upon the planet And I think there's a heartbreak to God here. That's what I think is causing this silence, this dramatic quiet. There's something about, something about that's happening in the heart of the Father that is causing this to stop. 
Listen, does, how does God feel about his creation, you guys? How does God feel? He loves his creation, doesn't he? Remember back in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and everything? He looked and saw it was, it was good. But then something happens, right? We see that sin entered in with man's rebellion. And then what happened? Man has taken that which is good with man's rebellion. He took that which is good and what? Perverted it. And twisted it. Not only does man pervert creation, but he also begins to worship creation too. To fill the emptiness in his heart with everything under the sun. Remember Solomon? You guys ever read Ecclesiastes? It's like a depressing book, isn't it? It's like, man. Everything he's, he's going after, seeking after, whether it's wealth or women or partying or education, all of that, he's trying to fill the emptiness in his heart with everything under the sun. And the, and the conclusion he comes to is what? It's emptiness. It's vain. It's vanity. And it all, listen, it always will be. Just like when Jesus met with the Samaritan woman at the well. Drink of this water and you will thirst again. You keep trying to fill the emptiness with creation, the things that are created, the things of this world, you will end up empty until you open your life up to Jesus Christ. You open your heart to him. He's the only one that can satisfy. And you know, we look at the history, we go back to Genesis, and what happens when man begins to, 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 to worship the creation we read in Genesis chapter 6, God looked and he saw the whole world was wicked. All the thoughts and imaginations of man's heart were on evil continually. Oh, he looked and saw Noah, right? Noah found grace in God's eyes, a man that was living for the Lord. But the whole planet was perverted and corrupt and wicked. And God looked down and said, I have to bring judgment. I have to bring judgment here. Listen, will God allow wickedness to continue indefinitely? No way, man. No way. And it tells us, Jesus told us that the last days will be just like the days of, of Noah, right? One example he gives us. You guys ever watch the news? Listen to the news? What's going on around us? Is, is earth getting better and better? Everybody's holding hands, singing kumbaya. It's not, is it? It's getting, it's getting more dangerous, more violent, more wicked. It is just ramping up. And Jesus said that would happen. You go through 2 Timothy, I think it's like chapter 3, and he talks about the last days when men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. We're seeing that like ramped up in, in our face more and more and more. And listen, God is holy, he is just, and he is true in all his ways, correct? Didn't we just sing that? You are faithful. What are we saying? You're perfect in all your ways. Do you believe that this morning? He is perfect in judgment also, you guys. He's perfect in his judgment. He unapologetically is righteous in all of his doings, no matter what he does. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? But here's the thing. God does not take pleasure in bringing judgment to stop man's rebellion on the earth. In fact, listen to what it says. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read it real quick. This is like a very important verse to have logged in our hearts and our minds. Ezekiel 33. If you're taking notes, verse 11. Does God love humanity? Does God love people? 
The Lord says, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Did you guys hear that? That's what God says. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. You guys catch that? So how does God feel about those that are wicked, involved in wickedness? He doesn't take pleasure in their death. He wants them to do what? To turn, to repent, to do a 180. God loves creation. He loves, his, he loves humanity. He's not willing, the Bible says in 2 Peter, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But we see in the tribulation period that wrath is coming upon the planet, and it's happening, this is so interesting, it's happening incrementally. In other words, little by little by little. It's not just one big blast and just blow up the whole planet. God's bringing judgment little by little by little. He's having to turn up the volume. He's trying to get a hold of men's hearts that are unwilling to repent. And so we see that here. And so what is God's heart? He loves humanity. And, and listen, if he doesn't delight, if he doesn't delight in the wicked, the dying of the wicked, how should we feel about them? I, I tell you, I struggle with that. You can pray for me. God doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. So often my heart is so far from that. I see like ISIS get wiped out. And I'm like, give me a high five, man. Light up some fireworks. Hallelujah, I'm American. You know, and it's like, but God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Or the, whatever. And so it's like, God help us that we would have your heart. I, I mean, I want to be there. I, I'm just far from it. Please pray for me. And so notice in verse 2, though, John sees what? John sees seven angels who stood before the Lord. And what, I think it's still quiet at this time. I think there's still silence. And there's these seven angels that are awaiting to do God's bidding. They're like right here, at attention. Yes, sir. Whatever you want us to do, we're down. And so they're handed. They get the handoff here. What do they receive? Fifteen trumpets. How many trumpets do they get? Seven trumpets in the Bible. What, what, what were trumpets used for? You guys remember? You guys remember what trumpets were used for? Is that what they look like? Something like that. They were for warnings, for sure. Watching on the wall, blow the horn. You see the enemy coming. Look out, right? Also, we see the trumpet being blown to, get, to gather the troops together, to give instructions in battle. Also, at some of the feasts, the trumpets were blown. And so we see some trumpets here. They also are given to announce something. And so I believe personally, why now? Why seven trumpets? This is another blast to awaken humanity, to wake them up, turn to the Lord, to turn, to turn, to turn. Why? Because with every trumpet blast, bad happens. We're going to see that. I'm just giving you a heads up. Some of you already know this. And so, but in wrath, God remembers mercy, you guys. Look, look at this. This is so interesting. Look at verse 3 with me. Check it out. So there's another angel there, and he shows up, and he, what's he holding? What's he hanging on to? A golden censer. What is a censer? You guys ever seen a censer? I came from a Roman Catholic background. Sometimes the priest would carry one of these in the church, right? It'd be swinging on a chain. It was like a box, and there's smoke coming out, and you're like, oh, it smells gnarly, man. It's nasty. But they would do that, and the stuff would, would linger, it would stick to you. And 
You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's a box. They put incense. It's got coals in it. Makes the incense go flying through the air. So this guy shows up, and he's given what? Much incense. A lot of incense, right? Is that what it says? And where is he standing? At the altar. And notice in heaven, there's not only a throne, but there's also an altar, too. This golden altar. And you remember in the Old Testament, remember when... Uh, Moses got the instructions for the, what did he get the instructions for? The tabernacle? David got the instructions for the, the temple. And that was in miniature what's happening in heaven. Correct? You guys with me? There's an altar in the holy place, right? There's, there's, a, there's a picture of that in the Old Testament. It was all types and shadows of the things that would to come. And so you guys may remember in, uh, in Luke chapter 1, you guys remember in Luke chapter 1, John the Baptist's parents? Their names were Elizabeth and husband Zacharias. Okay, remember? They were beyond childbearing years, right? They were old. And all of a sudden, Zacharias' number comes up, right? He gets to work in the temple, right? He gets to, he gets to light up the incense in the holy place. He gets to cruise in. Right, because they were on shifts and they had to wait to wait their turn to get in there to serve. He's up, yeah, get to go in, get to light up the incense at the hour of prayer. You guys remember that? He goes in and he goes to do his job, and what happens? Who shows up? An angel named Gabriel, the angel of birth announcements, right? <laughs> All of a sudden he's like, whoa, dude. And what did Gabriel tell him? You're gonna have a they got a baby boy, right? He shared all that with him. And what's so interesting is you go back and study that, and, it's, and, and the angel, Gabriel, says, your prayers have been heard. Our prayers have been heard. You're going to have a boy. We prayed that prayer 50 years ago. 60 years. We stopped praying for a son years and years and years ago. You're telling me my prayers are answered. You know what that tells me? God remembers your prayers. They matter to him. Do you know that this morning? Your heavenly father, my heavenly father, our heavenly father loves to hear from his kids. And, and, and prayers, incense is, is a picture of prayer throughout the Bible. Our prayers rise up to him. Rise through all the way, through, through the heavenlies, through the clouds, through the atmosphere, all the way to his throne and the throne of grace. Here come your prayers, your little cries. They come right to him. And just like incense, they, it smells good. I love incense, by the way. Some of us, maybe not. It's okay. It blesses God. It smells great to Him. Your prayers bless Him. And that incense sticks to your clothes, sticks to you. Those prayers, your prayers, listen, stick to your Father's heart. Don't listen. Don't ever forget that. And you may have prayed something years and years and years ago. And the Lord says, I've heard your prayer. I've heard your cry. And I'm going to answer, I will answer your prayer in my perfect timing and in my perfect way. And you've got to be cool with that. I have to be cool with that, you guys. If I'm going to say, oh yeah, you are faith, you're literally saying a little while ago, you're what in all your ways? You're perfect. You're perfect in all your ways. If you, believe, if you sing that, you better believe it. And say, yeah, I believe it, Lord. Because we're going to be singing in heaven, we're going to learn later, everything you've done is righteous and true. We'll look back over our lives. We'll look back and say, wow, Lord, everything you did, I can't believe it. You're right. Everything you've done is right on. 
And sometimes it's hard to see right now. It's difficult to see. But these prayers, it says the prayers of all the saints. Who are the saints? Team from New Orleans? Is that who they're talking about here? A bad football team? <laughs> the saints are you and I, you guys. Listen, either you're a saint or you ain't. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ, then you are a saint. Okay? And he hears your cries. And what's interesting is all that's going to happen, all that's going to transpire, that's going to roll out, it seems to be in response to some of our prayers, some of the things that we pray. And haven't you prayed, Lord, why is this happening? Anybody ever pray that? Why this injustice? God, how could you allow that to happen? How could you allow this? What is going on? The psalmist, listen, Psalm 74, David says that. If you read through the Psalms, a lot of times David had questions. But you know what? It didn't cause him to be all bummed out. Why are you downcast, my soul? Just going to stay right here. Why are you downcast? He said, hope in God. He gets his eyes right back on the Lord. No matter what's going on, we get our eyes right back on the Lord. God says in his word, vengeance is mine, I will repay and he's going to show his vengeance here. He's going to show his wrath, but his, in wrath he remembers mercy. There's this balance that's happening. But part of the judgment that comes... Have you ever prayed the Our Father prayer? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Stop right there. Thy, you know what you're praying? You're praying for Jesus' kingdom to come and be set up. Which won't happen until the end of the tribulation. When he comes back, Revelation 19, he will set up his kingdom and we will be with him riding on some killer horses. He'll come and set up his kingdom just like that. Boom. And we're going to be with him. His kingdom will come. And this is part of his kingdom coming. He's fumigating the earth of wickedness and wicked ones. And we see it right here. So we got to keep rolling. Look what happens next. Seven angels. Well, he took the censer. Like, so prayers went up. Fire comes down, right? This... This, this sensor with the fire in it from the altar comes flying down and there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And then also notice the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So the, the sights and sounds of heaven now come flying to earth accompanied with an earthquake. Big earthquake just happened in where? California, right? Some of us are from, I'm from California. Earthquakes are pretty sketchy, pretty trippy. So a big earthquake comes and hits. The angels got the seven trumpets. They're preparing to blow. And so the first angel sounds. Look what it says, verse 7. The first angel sounded. He blew his horn. And what happened? And hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. So the blow, with the blowing of this horn, here comes this mixture of hail, fire, and blood upon the earth. And please notice, I, I didn't count how many times in this chapter, but judgment, again, comes incrementally. It comes by thirds. A third, a third, a third. Except for the green grass. All, can you imagine all the green grass getting burned up? This place would look like the moon, like a moonscape. And then a third of the trees, what would that do? Think about, the, think about 
What would be the results of that? I think oxygen would get cut, cut back <laughs> quite a bit. How would, it, how would it affect the economy? Food and produce and all those things globally, there's going to be some serious problems happening. And I personally, I think as we look at this, number one, this is not unprecedented. Do you guys remember back in the book of Exodus? God called uh, someone to set his people free. Who was it? To lead them. Who was it? Moses. You guys remember when Moses went before Pharaoh? And what did he say to Pharaoh? Let my, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, who's the Lord? There's lots of lords, lots of gods. And so God sent how many plagues? You guys remember how many? Ten, thank you, ten plagues upon Egypt while protecting the children of Israel. This should sound familiar, you guys. If you're taking notes, Exodus chapter 9. I'm going to read it real fast. <coughs> It says in, I think it says it in chapter 9. <laughs> yeah, it is in chapter 9. Hallelujah. Verse 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. Again, so this is isolated judgment. Supernatural. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent, check this out, thunder and hail and fire darted to the ground. And the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt, since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. So I would say as we look at this, this is similar to what happened when God was judging Egypt. And, and by the way, it demonstrates that God is in control, by the way. For us as his children, can't we just take a deep breath and say, thank you, Lord, you're in control this morning. Or thank you. Things aren't out of control. And so this would certainly be an attention getter, wouldn't it? Because who does the earth belong to? Who does the earth belong to? It's not a trick question. It belongs to the Lord. If you're taking notes, Psalm 24. Listen to what Psalm 24 says, gang. Psalm 24, God says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and all those who dwell therein. Whose air is it we're sucking right now? You know, who's upholding all things by the word of his power right now? Jesus is. The Lord is. Colossians 1.17, check this out. Colossians 1.17, it says, Through Jesus, everything holds together. Do you know he's upholding your very life right now? I think sometimes we don't recognize that. I think sometimes we take it for granted, too. You know, it's a miracle that we're alive right now. That God is allowing us to breathe. That he's upholding our very lives. God has shared his creation with us, hasn't he? 
I think about the green grass, the trees. He is shared. If the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, isn't he sharing it with us to enjoy? Yes, we are to be good stewards of the earth, right? But I know some people come to me and say, Pastor, everything's going to burn, 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 so we can just trash the planet. Maybe we can do whatever. No way, Jose. Belongs to the Lord's. We want to be good stewards, right? Give a hoot. Don't pollute. Woodsy Owl said that. It's not in the Bible. But it's, listen, it's, it's, we've been given a stewardship of the planet. But listen, the creation is not for us to worship. Creation testifies of how great a creator we have, of his goodness, of his creativity, of his power, of his love, of his care. Jesus said, remember what Jesus said? He said, don't worry about what? Anything? Did he say, don't be anxious? For nothing. What should, should we do? We should learn something. That the, the birds of the air should preach a sermon to us. Consider the birds of the air. Correct? When you start to have that fear or that anxiousness in your heart, there's more month than money. Did it ever happen to you? There's more month than money? It's ain't going to work out, man. I'm going to have to get a fifth job. I'm going to have to start eBay, selling my stuff on eBay. All, all my stuff I got in storage. And the Lord says what? Don't, don't be anxious. Look at the, thank you. Don't be anxious. Look at the birds. Look how God takes care of them. Isn't your life more valuable than the birds? Look at how your heavenly father, your heavenly father takes care of them. Provides for them cares for them. Jesus said, don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry. That's what the heathen and the pagan live for. What they're going to put on and what they're going to put in. That's what the world lives for. But you, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Look at the flowers of the field. They'll preach a sermon to you of God's what? Creativity. His care. How awesome he is. But when's the last time you stopped and said, wow, you know what? Look at those birds. God, you're so good. Wow, look at those flowers. You're so creative. You're so awesome, God. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder today of how you take care of me. So much greater, so much, so much more wonderful. I mean, I think how many go on vacation to somewhere green? You go on vacation, go somewhere where it's super green and say, Lord, thank you for this. Or how many of us play on a sports field or have hobbies where it's all green or you got killer trees, you guys that hunt, get up there with your camo or whatever you wear. And you say, Lord, thank you for this tree. Thank you, for the, thank you that I can play sports on this grass. You're a grass, Lord. We don't do it. We often don't. But it's his, Lord, thank you for providing for us. Thank you for your goodness. Listen, I've been there. I was so amazed again yesterday at surf camp, surf report, flat waves, 0.0 Hawaiian scale. And what, is, what does the Lord do? Again, he faithfully provided waves all day long, right? Any of you guys there? I see some sunburn. I saw some sunburns earlier. That's how you can tell, burnt Reynolds faces. But the Lord provided. It's his waves. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Well, look what happened. Second angel, verse 8. Got to get rolling here. Second angel sounded, 
And something like, notice that, John's doing the best he can to describe what he's seeing. The second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third, there it is again, a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. So what happens next? Do to do next horn, and what happens? Something like a great what? Like a great mountain with fire hits into the sea, and everything turns to blood. All, the water turns to blood. A third. So what is it? What is he talking about here? What, what are we seeing? A lot of people have lots of opinions. Some say it's a volcano. Have you ever seen a volcano shooting into the ocean? It sounds pretty similar. Some say it's a meteorite. Or an asteroid. You know what I think it is? I got the microphone, so I know what it is. <laughs> it's something like a great mountain burning with fire. <laughs> Not hard. A third of the salt water becomes blood. A third of the marine life is killed. A third of the boats, shipping industry. Again, remember the first plague in Egypt? Moses turned the Nile into blood, right? And I think how many, think about how many living creatures in the sea. And now this happens. It'd probably stink. <laughs> probably pretty gnarly. But I tell you what, I love the ocean. I love the beach. I love yesterday dolphins were cruising in the waves. But I, you know what? I don't worship the ocean. I don't, it's not my, the love of my life. I don't wake up living for the ocean and surfing. I wake up serving Jesus and can't wait to worship Him and walk with Him and thank Him. Those things are not to become the object of my worship. They do though, don't they? Can't they? Our hearts are idol-making factories. How many people worship boats, ships? They live for the water, to get on the water. I can't wait for this. I'm living for this weekend to get on my boat, to go fishing. How many, for how many people has fishing become a... They're a God. That's all they think about. That's all they live for is to catch some fish. <laughs> it's interesting. Remember when Paul was on his missionary journey and he comes to that area of Lystra and God uses him to touch that crippled man. And the people like, the people freak out. They're like, this guy's a god. Him and Barnabas, you guys are gods, man. And they come to sacrifice and worship to Paul and Barnabas. You guys remember that? And Paul's like, whoa, time out. Don't do that. Shut it down, man. We are, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you. And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made heaven, the earth, and all things that are in them. So they're worshiping everything other than the sun. Paul's like, no, turn. Don't be worshiping men. Don't be worshiping creation. It's God you need to turn to and to worship Him because He did not leave Himself without witness and that He did good. He gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Did you guys catch that? The Bible tells us, Paul said to Timothy, God has given us all things richly to enjoy. 
He's blessed us with creation, with these things of creation, to enjoy. But not to make that our God. Not to make that our, what we adore, what we have affection for, to live for. Those things will let you down. Well, look at the next verse. Then the third angel sounded. And a great star fell from heaven. Notice this, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the water. Why? Because it was made bitter. So now all of a sudden, here comes... And again, some people say it's a comet. Some people say it's an asteroid. And I never—I saw in the news yesterday they had something about the government is trying to figure out how they're going to keep asteroids from hitting the planet. But you know, who protects the planet from asteroids? The Lord. You look at other planets, and they were saying they were saying and other planets are getting smoked. They're getting pummeled by asteroids and flying rocks. And who's protecting this planet? Think about that with me. It's the Lord. Guys, it is a miracle that we survive daily. That we're not, that, well, we're going to talk about this in just a minute. That we're just far enough away from the sun and just close enough that we don't fry or freeze. Accident, no way. That's the Lord. It's care for his creation. But what happens, we see it, what happens if he just takes his hand off? I'm upholding all things by the word of my power. Let me just take that off just for a minute. Let me just show you what it's like. If I allow a couple asteroids to get through, a couple comets to get through. Let me show you what's a couple volcanoes to start exploding. Who knows what they are? Or if it's, it, it seems to be completely supernatural though. Because it's just a third, a third, a third, a third. That tells me this is not just random. Again, it is under God's control. And so, here comes the water. The name of the star is Wormwood. If you study your Bible's Wormwood, the word means bitter. And it speaks of calamity and judgment in the Old Testament. So here's this star. Remember, God named all the stars. Here comes the star flying down. And it hits what? The rivers and the springs of water. Do we need water? That's a dumb question, isn't it? We need water, yeah. Look at you, Pastor. You're going to... We do, to survive. Whose water is it? It's God's water. We need water to wash our bodies, don't we? You guys bathed this morning, last night, sometime. Wash our clothes, take some water, clean your vegetables, take water, water your grass, your garden, your mutt, right? Your cat, whatever you got. It takes water, doesn't it? The Lord has graciously shared His agua with us. I think we take these things for granted. Maybe not you, I do. It's like, Lord, thank you. He's so good to share with us. Look at His care, His loving protection. He gives us what we need. We, listen, we owe everything to God. And the Lord's just kind of like during this time period, He's like, okay, let me, let me just take my hands off for a minute and see how you do. You don't want me? You want me out of your life? 
You want me out out of the school, out of your home, out of your city, out of your country? Let me step back and show you what it looks like. Let me take my hand off for just a minute. It's frightening. It's like scary. Well, for us, it's we should be saying it should be bittersweet, which we'll learn in a couple weeks. It's sweet because we know that we're going to be in heaven because God has not appointed us unto wrath. But it's bitter at the same time because there's people around us that are going to be going through this. That will be suffering at this time period. And so notice the next angel sounds, verse 12. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck. And a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Wow. So this angel blows his horn, and what happens? God says, let me just turn off the lights a little bit. Let me just turn off the celestial lighting system. You guys ever, and what happens is that a third of the day and night are plunged into absolute darkness. That's heavy. Anybody ever been in like total darkness? Isn't it weird? It's like, man, you start to get like, feel funny and off, like off balanced. And it's like, man, that's what happens here. And the tribulation, the day of the Lord, is characterized by darkness throughout the Old Testament. So there's going to be some darkness. Again, who's, who's the sun belong to? The light, the celestial lights. They belong to God. Remember what Jesus said? God makes the, his sun shine on the just and the unjust. He makes his rain to fall upon the just and the unjust. It's his sun. It's his rain. And for some, those have become the object of worship. Stars, right? People read their horoscopes. That they are. What's your sign, baby? My sign. Oh no, my sign is the sign of the cross. He's the one I look to for guidance. I don't need some stars and some freaks, some soothsayers and magicians telling me what to do. It's the Lord, His Word. It's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding me in my life. So beautiful. God is so good to us, you guys. Notice that he didn't just get rid of a third of the light. He graciously left two-thirds. He left two-thirds. He didn't just say, boom, you're in complete darkness. But he, again, touches the light source. It's a, God is gracious. And then the last verse, John looked. What does he see? He says, and I looked and I heard an angel Flying through the mist of heaven. Would that get your attention, by the way? What is that thing? Probably you wouldn't say, what is it? You'd know. Angel flying through the mist of heaven, saying with a loud voice, and you hear this angel yelling, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So John sees this angel flying through the sky, yelling out, whoa, whoa. What's whoa mean? Danger, warning, look out. In other words, it's going to get worse. And I think, again, here is this angel warning humanity. 
as bad as it's been, disaster's coming. It's going to get worse. And it's interesting to, to look at this. It says in verse 13, Woe, woe, woe to who? The inhabitants of the... 13 times that phrase is used in Revelation. And it always refers to unbelievers. That word... Uh, Inhabitant means to dwell, to settle down, to live. It speaks of one who's settled down here on planet Earth to, that lives for the things of this Earth. And this is what you want to live for. This is what life is all about for you. And the Lord says, okay, have it your way. How do you get to that place? How does someone get to this place? You guys, will you flip over with me to Romans chapter 1 real quick? We have time? We sure do. We're going to take communion this morning too. Isn't that great? Great reminder to remember Jesus. Because you read this chapter and maybe you don't know the Lord this morning. And like, you're hearing this. It's like, man, I'm, you're doomed. Listen, you are doomed. But there's hope. Jesus can and will rescue you this morning if you place your trust in Him. There is hope in all of this. If not, you, if not, Jesus, it says in His Word, you're abiding under His wrath. But there's a way to be saved, and that's by trusting in Jesus Christ. Romans 1.18. I'm going to read this. I don't think we have time for a whole lot of commentary. But how, do, how, does, how does the planet get to this place? Well, God's Word tells us. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So God's wrath coming upon unrighteousness, ungodliness, for those who suppress... What does suppress mean? It means to, to push down, to push under. Oh, the truth is given to you. Suppress. You guys ever play in the pool with a ball and you push it under the water? Have you ever done that? Push it down, and then all of a sudden you let go. What does it do? It comes flying up. But to, you, to suppress it, you got to hold it down. So there's men and women that suppress the truth... Right? In unrighteousness, men love darkness rather than light, the Bible says. Jesus said it. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Interesting. What's known of God is manifest in every single human being. How does that happen? Because you have a conscience showing you right and wrong, moral compass. God's given you that, God given compass. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood. How? What does your Bible say? By the things that are made. So creation testifies that there's a creator, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, 
You mean to tell me, Pastor, God doesn't believe in atheists? That's correct. Every human being knows there's God. How? Conscious and creation. Those two witnesses, Paul mentions right here. What does man do? Suppresses the truth. Man is without excuse. God does everything he can to get a hold of the hearts and lives of human beings because he loves them. He loves his creation. He loves humanity. Listen, and there will be people that say, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. Well, guess what? You're not an atheist. The problem is you love your sin. And that's a cloak. That's a, that is a, that's a, a smokescreen. problem is you know there's a God. And you're denying it, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. You know, people know, and for us, it's like, Lord, help me to minister to that. I want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who's convicting them of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. The Holy Spirit does a good job of convicting, doesn't he? It's like, it's like Lord, help me. Help me to come alongside the Holy Spirit to minister to this person who says they're an atheist, who knows God. They know God, but men love darkness rather than light. And so we see, notice this, this is so huge because it's part of our study this morning. Verse 21, back in Romans 1, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were, nor were thankful. Look at how the spiral downward begins. The suppression of truth. Ungratefulness, unthankfulness but became fuel in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. The heart gets darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Literally, it means morons. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So we see substitution. They begin to substitute other things for God. Their idols, their things of worship, Therefore, what does God do? God also gave them up to uncleanness. You want to go down that trail? In the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So we see this down. You guys seen this downward spiral? How, how does the world get to this place? God says, I, you want it your way, I'm going to take my hands off. You know who I am. You're suppressing the truth. You're substituting who I am for something else to worship. You're worshiping the creation. But look what happens, you guys. Watch what happens in a society or in a home or in a life. Look where it goes. It says, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. And can I just, can I just mention here, though, it doesn't say God gave up on them doesn't say God gave up on them. He gave them up. You want to go that way? He gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. So homosexuality, 
but it keeps going on. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they're pushing God out, trying to get him out, push him out. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers or gossips, backbiters, slanderers, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. Check this out. Disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who... Knowing the righteous judgment of God. Not only do they know God, they know God's righteous judgment too. That those who practice such things, that's the practice of your life, are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You read that again, and it doesn't say God gave up on them. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, the Father has placed the Son between you and hell. He's placed His Son. He gave His Son. How much does God love you? He gave His Son for you. To die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. He suffered paying the penalty for your sins and my sins in His life's blood as He hung on the cross. He suffered in your place and in my place. He took the wrath that we deserved for our sins upon Himself. He suffered, died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. And He will provide a rescue for you right here and right now if you open your heart to Him. Not hard. Even a child can understand it. Listen, this morning you're sitting here going, Well, Pastor, that's great. I I hear you speaking. I heard the Bible study. Thank you and good night. How am I going to take this into tomorrow? I'm a mother of two, three, eight, whatever. I work over here. I work, in the, I work behind a desk in a cubicle. I'm a student. I'm off. I'm working at the outlet mall. How, how do I... What's the application for me this morning? Jesus said concerning the last days, please listen. This is, like, important. Not that everything previous wasn't. (laughs) Jesus said in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. And if you look up that word love, it's agape. That's, That's love that originates in heaven. The world can't produce that love. Man can't produce that love. That's heaven's love. For God so loved the world. That's agape. The Bible says God has shed, Christian, I'm speaking to you, brother or sister, God has shed his love abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. In other words, he's poured out his love into our hearts. Why? So we can hoard it? So that we would love, not only would the love rebound back to the Lord, We love him because he first loved us. That we would love him and adore him. Do you adore the Lord this morning? You don't need to answer me. Do you have affection for Jesus this morning? Do you love him this morning? Do you worship and thank him this morning? 
Not only should it go back to him, but it should be worked out this way also. Jesus said, you'll know my disciples by their love for one another. Love should be happening amongst us. We should be growing in our love for those around us that don't know the Lord. But Jesus said, in the last days, the love of many, I believe you speak the love, the agape. Only Christians have that love. The world does not have that love. You and I have that love. God forbid, I hope, pray, it never happens, that the charge against our church would be that their love has grown cold. You know what that tells me? We need to ramp up the love. We don't work, we don't have to work it up. Oh yeah, okay, let's have a little powwow. All right, let's love on three, ready? Break. That's not the deal. Jude, it tells us in Jude, the, the exhortation in the book of Jude is to keep yourself in the love of God. You know what that means? You keep your, you keep your life under the spout where the love is coming out. Does that make sense? I, I stay connected to the Lord. And say, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling with my brother and sister, my brother in the church, my sister in the church. I've got unforgiveness. I've got bitterness. There's a wall between us. You know, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Not blessed is the one who wins the fight, holds the grudge the longest. Blessed are the peacemakers. Bitterness, unforgiveness is the tiniest prison cell you could ever live in, and that's your own skin. And that will keep you from loving as the Lord would have you to love. Because what did Jesus say on the cross by the ones that did him wrong? Father, forgive them. We can hold grudges, can't we? We're like some grudgy grudgers. It's like that, you know, it's like, does Jesus hold a grudge against you? Does he bring up all your past stuff? Love holds no record of wrongs, the Bible says. Listen, our love cannot grow cold. We have to keep ourselves in that place where we are receiving the love of the Lord and allowing that love to flow in our lives. Are you with me this morning? It's super vital. Jesus said, and listen, also, Jesus said, a man cannot serve two masters. Because you'll love one and do what to the other? You'll hate. If something is taking the place, brother or sister, if something is taking the place of Jesus being number one, it's going to be hatred towards him. If something is taking the place in your heart and in your life, it'll cause you to be disloyal, Jesus said. It'll keep us from serving him and loving him. Right? God's word says, the first commandment, you shall have no other God before me. Not, not, not Jesus is number one and then I got a bunch of other little gods. It's first with none others in sight. You know what happens? When you do that, he gets glory and honor and praise. We recognize he is worth it, you guys. He's worthy of everything. And we celebrate that this morning as we come to the communion table. We're going to take communion this morning. Isn't that cool? It's a reminder of his forgiveness of what he did, those amazing themes of the cross, of his love. By this we know love that he gave his life for us.
1 John 3.16, and you also ought to lay down your lives for the brethren. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you so much. What else can we say this morning but thank you? Lord, forgive us this morning as we consider, Lord, how unthankful, ungrateful we can be. And your word says the overflow of, of being filled with the Spirit is being thankful for all things. So Lord, thank you for bearing with us, being so patient, so kind, so good, Lord, you are. And this morning, as we come to the communion table, as we're in an attitude of prayer this morning, maybe the Lord has spoken to you. Can I encourage you just to do business with the Lord right now before we come to the communion table together? Just in the quietness of your heart. You know those things that are going on, those areas that perhaps you need to make an adjustment this morning. As the Lord has ministered to you through His Word, by His Spirit, Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Would you let the Lord just bring some cleansing to your heart, some purifying? It's a beautiful promise. Maybe it's not something that you did, but something you should have done. The sin of omission this morning. You know you've been doing you should be doing something you're not doing. The Lord is so gracious. The Bible says if we confess our sins and forsake them, we find mercy. And that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so may we humble ourselves this morning under his mighty hand. That he be the one lifting you up bringing healing to your heart. The Bible says that the power of the Lord is here to heal, to help. And maybe it is some bitterness. Maybe you've been done wrong and you're still holding on. Maybe you've let the sun go down on your wrath. Maybe it's with your spouse or your kids. Maybe you've allowed another God or gods to creep into your life. That this morning you need to repent. Maybe you've taken something back that you gave to the Lord. You've taken back an area of your life. Or you've tried to take control Lord saying, give me control. Let me lead and guide you. Bring those things to the Lord right now.
don't leave without doing business with the Lord this morning. We all need His forgiveness, His cleansing. Maybe you've come in here this morning, again, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, maybe you've been listening and you've never come to know Jesus personally. I don't think I need to labor this any longer. You need to receive Jesus right here, right now. Do not leave this place without Him. Will you raise your hand if that's you? Can I pray for you? You want to open your heart to Jesus? You raise that hand real high and we pray with you. Anyone at all here this morning? You're saying, yeah, Pastor, that's me. I want to receive Jesus this morning. I want to know Him. Be forgiven. Be washed. Be cleansed. Anyone at all here this morning? That's you. Raise your hand for me. For this one that's raised their hand, you can pray after me. Let's make it really simple. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Thank you for dying for me, for my sins. Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you wash me, cleanse me, and make me new? Would you fill me with your spirit? I don't want to go back to those sins anymore. give you my life. I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for this precious one. Would you bless and keep and protect and nourish and cause the growth as only you can. Thank you so much, Lord, for the born-again life, the new life, rejoice that our names are written in heaven. We thank you so much. There's heaven in heaven. There's rejoicing over one sinner. God, may we rejoice one sinner that repents, God. We would rejoice with heaven today. You're so good, Lord. We honor and bless you. And it's in your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Praise the Lord.